I'm Jack Semlicka, and welcome to the first episode of our 2017 Strip-Till Farmer podcast series. Today's program, Breaking Down the Biological Value of a Strip-Till System, is being brought to you by BlueJet. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know. We'll make every effort to get it added as well. And by subscribing, that will allow you to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released and the opportunity to look back at some of the episodes from 2016. Thanks again to BlueJet for sponsoring today's episode. For more than four decades, BlueJet has been an innovator in fertilizer injection and conservation tillage equipment. Over that time, large acre farmers have found BlueJet to be synonymous with durability, low maintenance, and return on investment. A founding title sponsor of the National Strip Tillage Conference, BlueJet's Strip Tracker was the first strip till implement to combine onboard fertilizer carrying capacities with a stretched and staggered row unit. Visit www.blu-jet.com or call them today at 800-658-3127. And a reminder to mark your calendar to attend the fourth annual National Strip Tillage Conference coming up on August 3rd and 4th in Omaha, Nebraska. Look for more information and updates coming soon on the conference homepage at www.striptillconference.com. Well, strip tillers tend to understand that the systematic approach they take on their operation connects their equipment, crops, and soils. But appreciating the depth of those connections and just how they feed off of one another requires a deeper knowledge of biology. This is the mission of conservation agronomist Ray Archuleta, who for more than 25 years has promoted the philosophy of following nature to enhance soil health. As he said, healthy soil doesn't want to be disturbed, it wants to be perpetually covered. In today's Strip Till Farmer podcast, brought to you by BlueJet, we welcome Ray for part one of a two-part discussion on how strip tillers can increase soil health and reduce chemical dependencies by embracing the concept that the plant and the soil are one. Folks, let's, let, me, let me start off with a little story, and I think it's really important. About eight months ago, I was in the, uh, I'm not going to tell you what state because I don't, it's not important. And I was doing a conference like that, and I, and I was done after I finished speaking. I went to my room to go pick up my, my suitcase, and there was this lady waiting outside. And this lady comes up to me, and she's crying. And I said, oh, my goodness, Ray offended somebody again. And she says, no, Ray. She goes, um, now, keep this in mind. You have a lady coming up to you. She's crying. She asks me, do you hunt? And I'm saying, uh, Am I going to be the hunted? And she goes, no, I, I really want you to come hunting with my husband and the brothers. She says, because after I heard you talk, we farm 25,000 acres, and there's four brothers, and my husband is having to work outside the house. I'm, I mean, I'm having to work outside the house 
to provide medical insurance on 25,000 acres. Think about this, folks. And, I'm, and then my heart sinks, and I'm sitting there feeling the pain and empathetic with her. She says, Ray, we did everything wrong after we just listened to you. We sold, we went from no-till to conventional. We've got rid of the animals. We got rid of the fence. And now our house, in front of my house, is a bunch of red equipment. Ladies and gentlemen, the stress that is going in now in modern agriculture because of the high cost of inputs and the infrastructure that you have to maintain, I felt it with that lady and many, many, many more are filling it out through the whole country. And in fact, the highest stress or the highest suicide rate in the United States is farming. Today I'm gonna to share a story of hope on how we can have the right filters, the right paradigms, and we can cut our inputs like Jerry is cutting because Jerry is more and more closely emulating nature. And I'm gonna show you when you have the right filter, the right understanding, because what I'm here, I'm not here to promote no-till, I'm not here to promote strip-till, I'm not here to promote covers. Understanding, because if I know you understand, it changes everything. It changes the way you teach your kids. It, teach, it changes the whole operation. Let's go down that journey and how we could bring more people onto the operation and stop the undue stress that our producers deal with. But I have to start off with this because when I left college, in fact, when I went to the tech center, this was the current paradigm for teaching soils. Physical, chemical, biological, and all of them are of equal value. That was taught about to me even 10 years ago, even when I went to graduate school for soils. I'm here to say, I do not agree with that. I'm here to say they're not of equal value. Now, they're all important, but the approach should be first biological. Let me give you an example. The biology builds the physical, it builds the aggregates, it makes the organic matter. They do it, it's living biology that does it. And then the organic matter regulates the chemistry. If we do not understand that we approach nature biologically first, not chemically and physically, let me show you what it has done to us in the last 100 years because we did not approach nature biologically. Let me give you here, this is a picture of the Earth and Mars. They're both chemical and physical. What's the difference between Earth and Mars, ladies and gentlemen, come on? Life, bio, biological. Look at the difference in the surface of the moon. Look at the Earth, biological until we understand that our soils are living ecosystems. They are biological. I think one of the, the, one of the best books I read is by Dr. Veldemir Verendisky. He said, the most powerful force on the planet, he's a biogeochemist, is life itself, gentlemen. Life itself. I want us to walk around thinking when you look at your soil, it's like looking at your favorite pet. It is alive. It, and until we see that, we will never change the way we operate on our system. Look at how powerful life is. 
Now, is that a compaction issue, ladies and gentlemen? It's a compaction issue, is it? I have seen that as I grew up in the for I grew up in an area where we had a lot of forests, and I would see that, and I said, how does that survive that? Look at that, that all that compaction, and what do we do in agriculture when we have a compaction? Come on, audience, what do we do? Diesel, big horsepower, let's break it up, right? How is that plant surviving that compaction issue? Life, ladies and gentlemen, those plants can excrete CO2, comes in contact with water, carbonic acid is released. Fungus release these incredible, powerful enzymes that break the rock down. Bacteria can break the rock down. Folks, if it wasn't for life, we would be like Mars. It's biology that does that. It's very critical to understand life does that. Now, that is a place in Australia, ladies and gentlemen. That is old calcium carbonate ocean seabed, ocean beds. Now, ladies and gentlemen, how come it's dark on the top? Some people say organic matter, yeah. Life. It is life that changes and transforms that rock. So wouldn't it make sense when we approach our farms and our soils, we approach it from biological first, because it transforms everything? Now, how many of you rate, use this tool, come on, raise your hands, on a regular basis, and you're checking your soils all the time, and you're having communication with it, and you're speaking to it, and you're smelling it. In fact, I'm gonna do it on Thursday. I'm gonna show our producers how to use that powerful tool. We're gonna to have 30 or 40 producers. I'm gonna show them how to use the most powerful instrument with contextual knowledge and how to read your fields. We're gonna do that later on. Let's dig a little deeper. These are my residue managers. These are my residue managers. These are earthworms, they're called keystone organisms. The reason they're keystone organisms, if they are present, that means the soil web is intact, all the rest of it's there. Those earthworms in 27 years can take the top six inches, completely transform them and move them and no fuel. They don't ask for a workman's comp, they don't complain. All you gotta do is feed them. Most powerful tool to feed them is cover crops. You stimulate the biology, make the soil web, they will come. They, now for years, we were taught in ecology that, that it, like Darwin said, well, if you put organisms, they will adapt to their habitat. That's true, but it's only part of the story. They also transform the habitat. It's called niche construction. That is a model of earthworms holes called the drillosphere, where they pour these materials in there so you can get this molding like plastics or whatever they are. And look at the infiltration rate on that baby. So when you have, and you've had a drought, and you, haven't, and you want to get a two, you get a two, three inch rain, are the rains come gently, ladies and gentlemen? Do they come gently? Can you imagine when you have earthworm holes like that, and how the infiltration rate, and they can handle four? I have no-till fields that can handle 20 inches per hour. The forest can handle 80 inches per hour. 
they transform the soil. And then those worms holes are rich in bacteria and phosphorus. And when your soybean and your corn hits it, you hit the mother load. You increase nutrient cycling. That's why Jerry is reducing his nitrogen. It's biology. We'll talk about that. I have seen earthworms go through solid brick clay. I've seen roots go through solid brick clay. Nice thing about it, I didn't have to put diesel to break that up. Those roots leak acids to disperse the clays open. This is why Jerry is growing using less nitrogen. Those are protozoa grazing around an air bubble and they're eating bacteria. When the protozoa eats a bacteria, when a nematode eats a bacteria, they release ammonium. You get more nitrogen released. The more we build a micro herd, the more nitrogen is going to be available. They make nitrogen available. I call them the mafia. Let me show you this guy's do our nutrient cycling. It's them. They break the residue. If you have residue issues, you have a biology issue. They break it down. 90% of nutrient cycling is biological. Some physical, some chemical. It is biological, ladies and gentlemen. They have done radioisotope studies for years. I mean, they've done some for years. And if when you put that chemical nitrogen, only 40, oh, about 60% never reaches the plant. Let me say that again. They have done radioisotope studies, only 40% only reaches the plant. What happened to the other 60%, ladies and gentlemen? We lost some of it, but majority goes to the mafia. Plants are not first feeders. Microbes are. Microbes are. If there is free nitrogen, they're going to get it, and they're going to release it back. It's them. Understand? We need to understand that. Okay, so when I go out, we need to understand. How many of you, when you go look at there, and you look at your operation, and you say to yourself, I wonder how my phosphorus cycle is working. Am I capturing enough solar energy? Is my carbon cycle is it working? My nitrogen cycle, is all of that working? And the driver is the sun, but the most cr critical element for your soil is carbon. Because the microbes want carbon, it is food. And they use nitrogen to build their bodies to process the carbon. It is carbon, ladies and gentlemen, is the most critical. Because it's the driving engine to make all the other nutrients available. So when we go on the field on Thursday, I'm gonna show my producers how all those spheres need to be present. A drillosphere, an earthworm sphere, my cottage cheese, my aggregates, my top of my surface, my armor, my pores. We're gonna talk about that in detail. Here is where the carbon and nitrogen and all these, all these water cycles and the nitrogen cycles and the carbon cycles converge right here on the soil surface. And we're gonna talk about that on Thursday. Ladies and gentlemen, about a couple of years ago, I was reading a research paper, and I and was in the bedroom, and I came out screaming. I was really excited. I said, wife, I said, the plant and the soil are one. She looked at me, Jerry, and says, you are so disturbed, and I can't give you back. 
I said, honey, this is exciting. The plant and soil are one. Ladies and gentlemen, if you take the plant out, you don't have biology. If you don't have plants, you don't have soil biology, you have geology. So the moment I take my plant out and I harvest, I put a cover crop right away. Make it one. Feed the biology. Now, warming up the soils. The more we bring the covers in, the more we build the populations and build the soil microbial biomass. Right now, we're releasing CO2 in this room, and we have, we're increasing the temperature in the room because all of our bodies. If you bring a huge microbial biomass because you plant covers and you have living roots 24-7, you're gonna build the microbial biomass. You're gonna increase the respiration. Look at the temperatures right here. This is in, um, with covers, 68.9 degrees, with no covers, 66.57. Why? There is a book written by Dr. Geiker called Temperatures Above the Soil. He went all over the country, all over the world, measuring temperatures of the soil. The best way to regulate moisture and temperature, even Jerry said it, a living plant, ladies and gentlemen, a living plant. You're feeding microbes, it's the microbes in the plants together respiring that's helping regulating the temperatures. And you, you catch on to what Jerry says, when you got really cold and wet, I want those covers to suck the moisture out and dry my soils. I am using biology instead of using something physical to manipulate my soils. Let the living plants do it. They will do it for us. Again, Soil without biology is geology. Now look what's happened to us because we don't have these paradigms. I did this in front of a group of organic folks. Now remember, I love my strip till, like my no-tillers, like my conventional, like my organic. It doesn't matter to me. We all have something in common. Ecology, biology, soils. Doesn't change. This was taken in Colorado. This is 1935, why NRCS was started. In front of a 2,000 groups of uh, 2,000 people in organic, and I love the organic people when I go speak to them. I said, "You see that soil? Those soils would have qualified for organic. There was no herbicides, no fertilizers. In fact, the first thousands of years of our of our planet, whenever man was there, was destroyed in an organic system, tillage over grazing, the lack of understanding of what they're dealing with." It's not the tools, never been about tools, is do you understand your system? Look at Arkansas, 60 inches of rain, 60 inches of rain, and it's blowing like that. And the water doesn't infiltrate, and they're having to irrigate with 60 inches of rain. That's my new state that I'm responsible. Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. I said, we're getting rid of irrigation. I said, no more flood irrigation. They look at me like, are you insane? No, your soils do not function. We're gonna go to cover crops, no-till, reduce tillage, and we're gonna get rid of it. Now, here's the thing where people get very offended. I've, I know I've offended some people in NRCS when I tell them, because you gotta remember, NRCS was based on conservation planning. It was about the plan. I have written many, many plans that they're not worth the compost they're only good for compost for the soil. Because see, there was no teaching, there was no understanding on my part. 
See, the plan was to help and teach along the way. That's why I say our lakes and rivers are filled with nutrient plants and, and conservation plants, but they're not crystal clear with understanding. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm saying we cannot afford this anymore. We are going broke. Where it got personal to me is my farmers were going broke. The water was not getting clean. It's because I had the wrong paradigm. I had the wrong filter. Tile drain. If you don't get the first two inches right, tile drains will not work. To make tile drains work effectively, cover crops. See, it's when you till that soil, ladies and gentlemen, you wake up bacteria and they start eating the biotic glues. They start eating the biotic glues, they start eating the organic matter, and the soil collapses. It's eating the house. It's called priming the soil. I had an old rancher say, Ray, I'm never going to stop disking. I said, why not? He says, when I run that disc, I release nutrients. I said, you're right. You burn the house down to warm up a hot dog. That's what you did. You primed the soil. And when you prime the soil with tillage, you wake up this bacteria, they will eat the biotic glues. We've known this since 1938, that tillage is destructive. It's intrusive. Did I say not to till? I said, use the tools with wisdom. Look what happens, and it's happening globally, ladies and gentlemen, where we till through the whole planet. The water cycle is not complete until the water goes into the soil, not to the lake, not to the buffer. A buffer is a diaper. The largest buffer is the soil. Cover all the soil. So when people ask me about tile drains, I said, if I use covers, most of the time I don't even need tile drains. Let, this, let the plants do it. That's what they do. We have a dysfunctional water cycle because we're not managing our carbon properly. When we take too much over, when we overgraze, we take from the solar panels and then we don't pump liquid carbon into the soil. Every time we till, we oxidize, we oxidize carbon and we give it off as of CO2. So here's the thing, when I go into with a shovel, this will show me, these are the aggregates. This is the cottage cheese I wanna see in soils. This is a tilled soil. This has large pores. The aggregates are the lungs, and the, the lungs and the circulatory system of the soil. So when you do lots of tillage or you do too much hay or too overgrazing, you affect building the cottage cheese. You, build, you affect aggregation. This soil here is heavily tilled. So when I walk into a field, I want to see lots and lots of cottage cheese. How many of you have sandy soils? Raise your hand. Okay. Notice this is an aggregate. An aggregate is, a, is created by these biotic glues, the fungus, uh, root hairs, like this net, uh, this hair net of roots and fungus fusing these particles together. If you see right there, that particle of sand you see is, there's that particle of sand. Now look at the other sand that's coated with these dark material. What is that coating? It is life, it's biology, it's the metabolic processes. Somebody's blood, somebody's fecal matter, somebody's urine, somebody's biological secretions from plants and roots and, and encapsulates that grain and coats it. Now when that does that, I, have, I can hold on to cations. I, can, I, I increase my cation exchange, I regulate temperature, I can hold on to nutrients. Those biological coatings will allow me to hold on to nutrients now. That's why when you go to no-till on the sandy soil, it works beautiful because then you pump a lot of carbon, you coat those particles. Now I increase my soil to function.
We'll get right back to Ray's discussion, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, BlueJet, for making this program possible. For more than four decades, BlueJet has been an innovator in fertilizer injection and conservation tillage equipment. Over that time, large acre farmers have found BlueJet to be synonymous with durability, low maintenance, and return on investment. A founding title sponsor of the National Strip Tillage Conference, BlueJet's Strip Tracker was the first strip till implement to combine onboard fertilizer carrying capacities with a stretched and staggered row unit. Visit www.blu-jet.com or call them today at 800-658-3127. Well, thinking about Ray's comments so far, he emphasized the importance for strip tillers to understand the biological impact each of their operational decisions can have on soil health. He suggests that strip tillers treat their soils like their favorite pet. And this analogy brings to mind the care and attention farmers need to allot to develop happy and healthy soils. Bray also noted that earthworms are invaluable allies in microbial production and that 90% of nutrient cycling is biological. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Ray Archuleta on the architecture and importance of biomimicry to crop production and soil health. Dr. Dwayne Beck, he puts this about tillage, any types of tillage. He says, all t- this is the common things with all tillage. All tillage destroys soil structure, it impacts water infiltration, reduces organic matter, and it increases weeds. Do you see why Jerry has gone to a strip till and we have farmers going to a no-till? Because the more disturbance you do, the more you impact the system. We have known this since the 30s. Now, let me talk about other kinds of disturbance, rotational grazing. The way we manage chemicals right now, pest management in the United States is like this. We want you to, I want you to take chemo just in case you get cancer. What I'm telling my producers, if you have an outbreak, take care of the outbreak, but don't go spray the whole farm. We gotta be careful with our fungicides. The unintended consequences, what it does to my arbiscular mycorrhizae, who makes nutrients available. You gotta be careful to the saprophytic fungus, which help break the residue down. You gotta be careful with the insecticides, how they affect the earthworms and all that biology, because one thing I want you to remember, all of it's connected. You have to understand the unintended consequences with our tools. Now, I don't want you walking away saying, oh, Ray doesn't like chemicals and that. That's not what I'm saying to you. I'm saying, understand your context and be careful with the tools. The more, and by sides, they're expensive. Our agriculture is driven by this mechanism, folks. Ancient sunlight. The fertilizer, the herbicides, the fungicides, everything we do, that equipment we use, the way we got here, the meal provided by today, what keeps the lights on, ancient sunlight, oil, gas, petroleum, all that. It takes huge amounts of energy to make chemical fertilizer. The more we do the biology, the less you need ancient sunlight. Your farm should be running on new sunlight. And I'll show you how farmers are making their farms run on new sunlight. You have to have this filter, you have to have this paradigm. Gabe Brown used to say, you know, I used to wake up every morning 
and I have to decide on my farm and ranch, what am I going to kill that day? He has changed, and I have changed my complete view of the whole system. I get up every morning and said, okay, what can we do to make something come alive? What cover crop mixes can I do to help my pollinators and bring my beneficial insects so that I don't have to buy those expensive inputs? What can I do, and how can I improve my understanding to mimic nature? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the science that should have predominated in agriculture, and it was not. In fact, the sciences that predominated in the 1900s was Newtonian physics and Liebig chemistry. It has permeated the whole planet. But really what should have permeated really was holism. Holism means nature works in holes and patterns. See the whole picture. Ecology means the study of the house. Our house is the planet. Study it. The farm is not a separate unit from the, from the planet. It works the same way. Ecology is about relationships. Please understand the diff that we are intimately connected with the cow, the organisms. In fact, I would have never known that the water cycle is not complete if those soil biology is not intact. If they don't build the biotic glues, they don't maintain porosity. If there's no porosity, the water will not infiltrate. Everything is connected. If you can understand one principle of today, everything is connected. So everything I do there outside of my farm, if I'm not careful, will have unintended consequences. Be cognizant of what you're dealing with. Okay, now here's your homework assignment. This is a 20 minute video I recommend. It's called Biomimicry, I would watch it. She's got two 20-minute videos. She's a phenomenal speaker. She says, why don't we farm like nature? She's got 3.8 billion years of research and development. It all depends on your religion, right? And 10 to 30 million species well adapted. Let me show you how powerful biomimicry. Because if, if somebody asks me, what do you, what do, you do when you, uh, I'm at the, uh, the uh, airport and they say, well, Ray, what do you do? I said, well, I help teach biomimicry. I teach farmers how to mimic nature. And they go, really? And all of a sudden I get their attention. And says, well, so what does that mean? I said, if they mimic nature, they reduce their chemical inputs and people bring a smile to their face. Expensive tools. Give me an example of, of one, the, one of the things that was created by biomimicry, Velcro. That little burr, the, this engineer found a little burr on his dog's fur, and he says, hey, man, I like that hook. Maybe I'll create a Velcro. Do you know what the name of that millionaire is, uh, that guy is? Millionaire. Biomimicry, look at this other one. We are creating, we are creating um, incredible air, uh, air conditioning systems by mimicking termite mounts. Termites air conditioning system is phenomenal. We're reducing our energy inputs by 90% by mimicking the air conditioning system of termites. We are creating incredible robotics by mimicking the trunk of an elephant. Isn't that amazing? Robotics, I mean, biomimicry has been around for a long, long time, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, it's been mentioned in the ancient scriptures. It says, ask the beasts. They will teach you, the birds, Folks, what I am teaching, I'm asking us to do is be more observers, to go out there and watch what, how the patterns of nature. How many of you in the last five years have walked out in your forest 
and just watch there on your, and just watch what is going on, what is occurring. We should because this is your template. You guys who live in this part of the country, your template is the forest. Us who grew up in the West is the prairie. It's the same architecture, very, very similar architecture, and it works on the same principles. Let me show you what I'm telling you about, what I mean about walking out on nature. Look at that forest floor. It is covered, but yet there's still green vegetation coming out. This is the, we're doing the same thing with our cover crop mixes. We are creating armor and our corn and soybean come right out and we have green vegetation. That armor is used for regulating temperature, moisture, suppressing weeds. You don't see very much weeds in, in a forest system. Same thing in a prairie system. Inside the prairie system, if you walk into the canopy, you pull the green vegetation, and guess what you see in between the plants? Armor. We're doing the same thing, and I'll show you how farmers are doing the same thing. We are designing our cover crop mixes to look like this, ladies and gentlemen. Every plant has its own chemical signature. It communicates to biology. They speak to the microbes. Every plant is different. We're trying to mimic, mimic the prairie template and the forest template. They all have different roots, feeding different bio biology. The more I get my microbes wound up, the more they do nutrient cycling. The less fertilizer I have to buy. Thank you, Ray, for sharing your experience and knowledge for creating a natural environment to enhance strip-till production. One of the big takeaways for me from today's program is the visual Ray created by suggesting soil should look like cottage cheese. It's a practical picture for promoting soil structure and letting nature's organic agents create an ideal environment for crop growth. The ability to mimic nature or biomimicry, as Ray stated, can be a long-term asset to not only increase soil health, but also reduce the amount of chemical fertilizer applications needed. At a time when strip tillers are increasingly cost conscious, saving money on fertilizer by letting nature take its course can be a wise investment. Well, again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, BlueJet, for helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast series possible. And I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program. So feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or call me at 262-777-2441. And if you haven't done so already, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. And you can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free Strip-Till Strategies e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our Strip-Till Farmer Facebook page. Finally, another invitation to attend the fourth annual National Strip Tillage Conference coming up on August 3rd and 4th in Omaha, Nebraska. And again, you can look for more information and updates coming soon on the conference homepage at www.striptillconference.com. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on January 19th for the next episode in our 2017 podcast series 
part two of breaking down the biological value of a strip-till system, where Ray Archuleta will share deeper insight on the critical role cover crops can play in developing a natural armor for strip-till soils. For Ray Archuleta, Blue Jet, and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening.